Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Tax Alpha Solutions Podcast, hosted by Matt Chancy. Matt is a tax consultant, author, and certified financial planner with almost two decades helping his clients grow their net worth. On the show, Matt brings together an array of specialists to share with you their experience and success along with strategies of the 1%. Matt Chancy is with Coastal One, member FINRA SIPC. And now, here's your host, Matt Chancy. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, rather. I apologize. This afternoon, we have a special guest on our podcast. This is another episode of the Tax Alpha Solutions Podcast, and today we have Roman Balin. And Roman is the founder of Dudelio. Now, I, by the way, really catchy name. I love that. <laughs> Dudelio is an expert uh, network focused on M&A due diligence. Uh, They connect business buyers, sellers, intermediaries, and private investors with a best-in-class pre-vetted due diligence service providers. And they've got a growing network, expanding constantly, vetting out new professionals, bringing them in, um, do dealio, doing the dealio. I like that. So, (laughs) Roman, thanks for coming on the show today. (laughs) Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate uh, you having me on. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I guess... What made you, where did this come from, this idea of people that are going to do business deals? And, you know, I don't even think everybody knows what due diligence is, per se, in the M&A space, unless you're doing it. So <laughs> where, did, where did this come from? What was the epiphany that said this is a business that needs to exist? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, honestly, I was a little bit selfish. I, uh, I launched this business to solve my own problem. So I was doing a couple of small deals, uh, online service uh, businesses. And you know, I've always uh, kind of had trouble putting together my deal team. When you're doing large deals, you know, there's a lot of solutions, easy solutions, right? You can go to Deloitte, KPMG, you know, all these, you know, brand names. But when you're doing deals that are you know, on a smaller scale, uh, one, two, three, four million dollar transactions, you know, it becomes a little bit harder because you need to find someone uh, who has the right experience, but also um, uh, they have to fit within your budget. So um, it was always a difficult challenge for me. And um, I've always been a user of uh, professional services marketplaces like Upwork, Catalan, and these others. And I thought, well, you know, why isn't there something that uh, is specifically for due diligence for these smaller transactions? Um, we're in an era, I think, where there's more and more M&A volume. There's a lot of creators, a lot of new products being developed. So there's just a lot of these you know, micro acquisitions. So you know, I saw an opportunity uh, to uh, launch something like this, to basically, um, you know, uh, aggregate uh, a qualified pool of due diligence service providers and help connect them with clients. And you know, our clients really consist of uh, individuals, businesses, private investors, uh, family offices, boutique, 
uh, private equity firms, you know, anyone that's doing deals that are, you know, one to 25 million in transaction size, I think that's really kind of the niche where we're adding the most value. Okay, I get it. Well, I guess I would say that a certain part of your universe has to be people that have probably never gone through an M&A transaction before, yeah? 100%, yes. Um, We have a lot of first-time business buyers, a lot of people who are coming out of um, not business school, but uh, these uh, cohort programs that kind of teach people, educate people on how to buy a business. So we kind of step in and help them with the due diligence component of it. So they have a lot of questions uh, around, you know, well, how much should you budget for due diligence? You know, when should I do it? Um, things like that. So we help them, you know, kind of educate them on that part. Sure. I mean, you're trying to bring this, the, the tools and resources from a, from a more mature, you know, high, the larger tickets. There's all these people that, are, that, that, have a, that have a seat on the bus that know what their process is yeah. to know how to do diligence it. And you're bringing that downstream so that, you know, Main Street or small business sellers or buyers will have access to some of those. I mean, I think even a punch list of here's the things you would need in a due, di- in a, in a, in a due diligence type file would be a right. good start for many people they don't even know what they what they don't know right exactly uh we built out our uh, knowledge center on our website specifically for this we have a lot of articles that talk about you know how to assemble your due diligence checklist what is a due diligence checklist (laughs) when to ask for one so um yeah we have a lot of those resources to kind of just educate uh first-time business buyers Mm-hmm. Good stuff. You brought up something that I'm curious about. As a rule of thumb, is there a percentage of sale price or something that somebody needs to invest? I mean, look, I understand this space and you know, it sounds like a great deal to get in there. And then you're like, gosh, I wish I'd have spent more money and more time on due diligence, you know, making sure this was the right deal, right? So is there kind of a rule of thumb from a cost standpoint, maybe, that somebody should consider spending when attempting to acquire, uh, try to buy something on the buy side? You know, that's a great question. I've never heard it uh, kind of phrased uh, that way as a percentage of transaction size. But generally, what I advise is to always kind of weigh the cost benefit of due diligence, right? I view it as an insurance policy. Well, how much do you want that policy to be for? So I'm not sure if it's um, really as much dependent on deal size as it is on, you know, your uh, familiarity with the business, the uh, the holes that you have, and the uh, kind of the gaps, because we have a lot of accountants that are buying businesses. Well, they only need financial due diligence, but they need an attorney. So, what is the gap in your kind of skill set where you need to fail to be comfortable with the purchase? And you know, the price has to be rationalized, right? The price has to be. Uh, make sense in relation to the deal, but I'm not sure if it's you know one percent of the deal, ten percent. That's really depends on the individual and the deal that they're doing. Okay, yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think everybody, anybody that's buying a business comes with a little bit of a skill set, or they probably right. wouldn't be intrigued in it in the first place, right? So, exactly, you talked about the financial side or the legal side, where they have specific industry knowledge around that particular right. vertical and understand, and it's you know, there maybe it's an addition to an existing business, so all of that stuff is ultimately created. They're trying to fill the gaps that they have in their own ultimate skill set, exactly. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. I can see that. So I guess if we were, if we were going to just kind of rattle off some of the top things that people would look like from a due diligence punch list, what would some of those things look like? If we were going to start top down, what are some of the, the big ones you want to make sure you hit? And I'm sure there's nuance in this that we're going to miss depending upon <laughs> industry specifics, but yeah. For sure. So um, we offer over 22 different types of due diligence kind of categories. Obviously, it's very dependent on the business, as you mentioned. But, you know, the big ones that I think everyone needs to cover is finance, legal, uh, and technology. If you're buying, especially if you're buying a tech business or an e-commerce store, you need to figure out the technology side of it. Um, In terms of the types of projects we see, Finance is by far and away the uh, most requested type of due diligence. Probably, I don't know, maybe 70% of the projects we see are really finance related. Someone looking for valuation, someone looking for a quality of earnings report, proof of cash, things like that, different uh, parts there. So I'd say you know, those three are really the big ones that everyone right. should uh, pay attention to. If you're going to buy something, you need to make sure that it's really what you think you're buying, right? So Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You want to make sure, yeah, the revenues and expenses line up. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think it's uncommon for a business owner on the sell side to arbitrarily pick a number out of the sky and go, hey, I would sell this thing if I can walk away with X amount of money, but that might not be grounded in the financials or in reality. Exactly. You see that, especially in smaller businesses where uh, the business owner started, they put their sweat equity in it, right? A lot of times it's hard to value that sweat equity. It's easy to value the revenue, right? Okay, you're making $5. It's easy to put a valuation on it. But how do you value if someone spent, you know, 10 years building up a business and, you know, they want to somehow, you know, they want to count for it. They want to make sure they're compensated. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of sticking points there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, people get, what is it? It's people have an emotional bias to things that they already own or control and they view yeah. it to be more valuable than the same asset. If somebody else owned or controlled that same asset, it means more to them yeah. personally, right? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a checklist where we can find the type of due diligence we need. There's 22 different potential uh, areas where you could provide a find a due diligence provider. So then they identify the ones that they need. How do you identify the ones that make sense for your ecosystem? I know you talked about being a fan of Upwork and those other type crowdsourcing environments. Right. So how do you make sure you find if they're looking for a financial or legal person, M&A, buy side, sell side, how do you know that that person's the right person? So that's a great question. Um, so, so first, uh, we respond to demand, right? So when I first launched to the marketplace, I really focused on financial due diligence. So making sure I have enough service providers that can handle uh, the financial aspect of it. Uh, as we've grown, now we have a lot of other requests. So we've uh, diversified the marketplace away from finance to other areas. Now, we have a vetting process for everyone that joins. It's, it's the same for everyone. We have a face-to-face interview. They, everyone submits an application. We look at their past work. If possible, we ask to, to talk to uh, one or two of their past clients, we get feedback. Uh, we do basic online research just to make sure there's no red flags, right? You'd be surprised how much you can find by doing a simple Google search or Bing or whatever. 
So we make sure to do that. So you know, we make sure that there's some guardrails to make sure that the providers we have on our platform have gone through a process, they have the right experience. And then if someone applies and says, you know, they have experience doing financial due diligence, they actually have. There you go. Understood. Okay. A little bit of a self-serving question here. Is there a due diligence professional on there that works on the sell side that helps sellers legally not pay taxes? Or is there any demand for that? (laughs) I would say that a vast majority of the projects we get are from the buy side. Um, Having said that, 100% I could see there being demand for something like that. Uh, uh, That's a natural type of project that we might see in the future. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I could even make the argument that my skill set is applicable on the buy side because at the end of the day, you're going to negotiate a sale price with a seller. And if taxes right. are the difference between what you want to pay and what they want to buy it for, you know, what you want to buy it for and what they want to sell it for, you know, solving for the Delta could be important, right? Yeah. Listen, I think people underestimate the uh, amount of value they can add to this ecosystem uh, because I have people who are, you know, business owners that don't really have uh, you know M&A experience, but they know how to run a manufacturing or a sheet metal business really well. And I ask them, I, I tell them, listen, you got to join the platform because yeah, even though maybe you don't have this you know, M&A experience, you have a subject, you're a subject matter expert in this particular field. So you can do operation due diligence. If I'm buying a sheet metal manufacturer, wouldn't I want to talk to someone who was maybe CEO of one for 20 years? even though they don't have M&A experience. You know, so I kind of take a wider lens to it because I think operational due diligence, which is something you know, we didn't talk about, but I think that's so important as well. Yeah. Um, you really want someone that doesn't just have this you know, cookie cutter finance or legal experience. You want someone who's been in the business. Right. It always, somebody that knows how to run and operate the business, one thing to make sure that the numbers and the metrics and everything makes sense. But if you don't understand the industry that you're in, I know people that do buy businesses without understanding anything about the industry. And that always blows my mind, but we, we have a lot of those. (laughs) It's a real thing. People do that. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And I I apologize. There's a lot of sun. I don't know if it uh, on the video. Hopefully. No, you're good. <laughs> the sun's coming out here in Miami, finally. Well, it's it's in the Sunshine State. It's supposed to do that. It is. It is. <laughs> good stuff. So quick question. So how do service providers find you to know that they might want to be on this platform? How do they find you? So service providers, uh, a lot of times we'll, we'll reach out to them. So I actively look for service providers who are uh, either recommended or active in the online communities, kind of the small business acquisition communities. You know, we get a lot of referrals. So if we have an attorney on our platform and they have an accountant uh, who they've worked with, maybe they'll refer them. So it's a lot of kind of word of mouth. Uh, I don't actively, you know, do paid advertising to recruit okay. people. It's really been word of mouth. At this point, we have over, I think over 220 service providers. And yeah, I think that's a, that's a good number. We're able to cover a pretty wide range of project types and budgets, right? You know, for a typical project, we're able to present six to 10 proposals, which is pretty, that's, you don't want to overwhelm uh, clients as well. You you don't want to present, you know, 30 30 proposals from different firms. Uh, That can be a little overwhelming. 
Well, it's the lending tree model a little bit, right? When banks compete, yeah. you win. So you're just saying, right. hey, we've got these service providers and they you know, they can add specific knowledge to your business and value this transaction and they're competing to try to win your business. So um, something sure. to be said for the business model. For sure, for sure. You know, one thing I'd say is that, um, and a lot of people ask me this, you know, hey, is it just a race to the bottom, right? Is it just uh, everyone's trying to undercut each other? And I haven't seen that. I haven't seen um, clients pick the service providers that are the cheapest. They generally pick, pick the service providers that they have a good rapport with, that has maybe specific experience in the industry uh, that they're pursuing. So I think that matters more than price because if you think about it, you know, you're spending, you know, X number of your bank account on the business, um, you don't want to cheap out on due diligence. Those are two areas. Uh, uh, lawyers and accountants, don't, don't, you, don't save money there. <laughs> sure. There's all, yeah. People are always trying to cut corners and be fiscally responsible or conservative on stuff. But, yes. yeah, there's some places you should cut and some places, you know, I'm, I'm a, don't cut on airplane parts either. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Completely random, but don't go saving money on airplane parts. <laughs> agreed. 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 So I guess the next logical question is, is how do the buyers and sellers that are benefiting from the aggregation of experts on your platform, how do they know you exist? How do they find you? Yeah. So um, again, it's, you know, it's a lot of organic word of mouth. Uh, we have partnerships with a lot of the major uh, online business marketplaces. So places where a buyer would go and find uh, business listings. So BizNexus, Interexo, Tiny Acquisitions, many more. So uh, we get discovered that way through partnerships. We're also active in a lot of online communities where promote Dudilio, answer due diligence questions, uh, kind of spread the word, so to speak. We haven't spent a lot on paid marketing yet. Um, I think we have enough uh, enough work to do just with uh, kind of the word, word of mouth for now. Well, I think there's, you know, if you can piggyback on some of the existing platforms that are already yeah. built, I mean, like, I don't know all of them, but what Biz Buy Sell is a is an online platform. It's a big one, yep. might go look, right? Right, right, right. Yep, that, that, that would make sense if they're there doing that, kicking the tires and looking around. Then they, you know, they probably might take that next step. And if they take that next step, finding the right, you know, resources and tools to help them out. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an easy sell because, uh, well, we're not selling anything. Uh, we're free to use uh, for clients. So it's um, you could either spend uh, weeks yourself uh, finding the right service provider, or you can just submit one project and then three days have, you know, five, 10 proposals in front of you from pre-vetted providers. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a very, you know, it's kind of a no brainer, I think at least. No, I, I get yeah. it. I get it. So, and I don't want to get too far into this, but just intellectual mm-hmm. curiosity a little bit. And so, from your side, what's the revenue model? It sounds like if a if a person doing the due diligence can come and check it out for free per se, then um, after you're vetting the uh, the due diligence people, yep. sounds like maybe they're paying some kind of a fee to access the platform to be presented. Yes, that's a great question. Uh, So we have a typical marketplace model and we're very transparent about this. We get paid a referral fee from the service provider. So if a client goes on a platform and hires a service provider, we'll get paid a referral fee. 
we do not charge service providers uh, any type of fee to join. So there's no uh, what I would call you know pay to play model because if you do that, that eliminates a lot of service providers. It's, it's personally I don't think it's the right way to do it. So our incentives here are aligned. Uh, 100%. It's aligned for the client, it's aligned for the service provider, and it's aligned with us. So it's just a, it's, it's a very frictionless uh, model. I gotcha. Makes sense. So as you build this out, where's this go? What's the opportunity? Where does this expand to? I mean, how many service providers do you ultimately need? And, you know, what's the next step? Are there uh, additional product iterations that now have been asked for by the demand of the people that have used the ecosystem? Where's it going? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first of all, you know, I do think there's a lot of opportunity in the market that we're going after. Um, we've only been around for about a year. I launched Adilio April of last year. So it's still really really early days, really early. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity to you know, simply improve the usability of the product and make it as easy to use for clients as possible. I think there's a lot of opportunity to uh, maybe uh, expand to other areas of due diligence. Maybe down the line, there'll be opportunity to go even beyond due diligence, right? Uh, maybe it's going to be m and advisors, maybe something else. So offer uh, other services, uh, post-integration support, value creation, things like that. So for now, I'd say we have our hands full. But in the future, I think there's, there's opportunities to go after other markets. Well, I think there's, you know, the way you're describing the model, you know, look, there's clients that have CPAs that they work with or attorneys they work with or maybe an M&A consultant. But there's a lot of other blind spots of things that they don't ultimately have. So I think having a marketplace where they right. could go and find people, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, the, you know, it's yeah. uh, the last thing you want to do is spend some money on something and uh, not have it. Uh, look, let me ask you a piggyback question. I, I got yeah. one just popped in my head. Yeah. So do you ask people if they're using like financing, like SBA or whatever to buy your small businesses? Yeah, we do. We do. 100%. We ask if they have lenders or investors. Uh, if they say yes, uh, the follow-up question is, is it through the SBA? Um, so, so yes, that, that's part of the kind of new project uh, questionnaire. Because there are certain due diligence requirements that you have to have if you're going to get an SBA loan that somebody that wasn't going to use that type of financing might not have in place, right? Exactly, exactly. And service providers that are writing proposals or bidding on the project, they want to know that. They want to know exactly, okay, is this analysis going to be used internally? Is it going to be used externally? So that helps them uh, write an accurate proposal and have a better idea of the project scope. Yeah. Nice. All right. Makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah. When I learned about the MA or the, the SBA process, I, yeah. for those of you that are listening that aren't familiar, you know, the banks that you can get an SBA loan through make you go through this business plan exercise and marketing exercise and make sure that you're you have a plan documented that you feel like you can if you're taking government money to buy this business <laughs> better they want a high level of success so they kind of force a due diligence process on you um, where yeah. not everyone does that and I think it would be good if just everybody went through that kind of process right. before they bought so yeah for sure I think having a thought out business plan would benefit uh, all sides. Yeah. You know, there's always people that do well in life, but I would argue that yeah. the people that have a plan tend to do better than the people that wing it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. 
So good stuff. Well, Roman, anything else that uh, that we wanted to talk about? Anything else that you wanted to share? I don't want to miss any nuance. Um, no, I think you know if anyone has any questions, I'm easy to reach. www.dudelio.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, on LinkedIn, everywhere. So we talk to a lot of people even before the due diligence process, before they have a business under LOI, just to help them think through. Uh, and create a budget for due diligence. So really, any, any way that we can help, we're here, we're available. There you go. So you did mention Twitter. So were you part of the due diligence team that helped Elon Musk acquire Twitter? Was that you? <laughs> no, no. Those deals are a little too too large for Dudilio. Yeah. <laughs> I think that deal's gonna that, that deal doesn't look like it's gonna turn out so well, but it's it's we'll early. see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, Only time yeah, will tell. yeah, exactly. Don't underestimate Elon. No, I don't understand any email. Just in the, or the early stages of that deal haven't looked so promising. You know, a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot of fallout from that. So agree, we'll agree, agree. Good stuff. Well, everybody, today, this was uh, Matt Chancy, another episode of the Tax Alpha Solutions podcast. Today's guest, Roman Balin. Um, you know, with Dealio, if you're in the M&A space, if you're thinking about buying a business, thinking about selling a business, if you are a service provider that helps people buy and or sell a business because your skill set, if you're a former operator of a business and you want to lend your expertise or knowledge to somebody that's trying to buy a business as an outside consultant, um, all those things are appreciated. And I think this is an ecosystem yes. that you might want to check out. Awesome. Awesome. I really appreciate you having me on that. Absolutely. Well, Roman, thanks for coming on sharing. And, you know, look, it's uh, innovation is a, is a great thing. You know, uh, it takes a little while to iron the kinks out of stuff sometimes, but yeah. um, a marketplace where people can find the right people to help them buy a business and, and give them that leg up to ultimately be a tad more successful is, is a great deal. So we appreciate your effort. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Well, Roman, thanks so much. Once again, everybody, Tax Alpha Solutions Podcast. Until the next time, be well. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Tax Alpha Solutions brought to you by Matt Chancy. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guests and insight. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts.